When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more. Surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to the second Arsenal Opinion Podcast of the week. Uh, we're back with um, the now familiar face of, of Johnny. Johnny, welcome back. Yep, cheers, Pete. I know that you were cheating on me with some other guy that you got involved oh, so, yesterday. You know, It, it, uh, meant, it meant nothing. It, yeah. it was good, but it meant nothing. You know, I just woke up to seeing, oh, there's a new podcast out, is there? Oh, behind the back. You know, so I was like, yeah, there we go. He stabbed me in the back. But quite frankly, I, I don't know. I, I'm a fool, maybe, but I've taken you back, okay, because the love runs deep. So I appreciate it. And we've, we've got so many exciting things to, to talk about in week two of the transfer window. Um, it was a lot of fun being on the last podcast. Um, it was it was cathartic going through the the transfer nonsense. We're into week two. Edu feels like he's on a never-ending holiday. Arteta, we've seen nothing of him. Not a single transfer mood has been made. Um, but we are starting to see an emergence of, of a pattern of the type of players that we're going after. And so far, um, if we talked about the transfer universe, it looks like intelligent signings might be had this summer. Um, what do you make of um, transfer targets holistically before we deep dive into individuals? I mean, probably what people would come to expect by now with us, but you're a lot more positive about what's going on than I am. I mean, some really intelligent signings, really? <laughs> I, I must have Intelligent links. Oh, uh, right, intelligent links. There's one of them that we'll get onto in a second where I'm, um, you know, interested in potentially. That's Laconga. But um, outside of that, um, some of the other names that I'm hearing us linked with is... It's quite unsettling, quite frankly. Um, what we don't want to be doing is investing loads of money in players who are unproven or too old or not in positions of dire need because we have positions of dire need that really, really need addressing. Um, so for all of those points, I think that a lot of the names we're being linked with, they all kind of stand out as red herrings for different you know, they meet the criteria in different ways for being a bit worrying. So, um, yeah, I'm certainly, certainly not um, bowled over by what I've heard and seen so far. Of course, it's early days, but I just returned to the point I made on the last one. After the kind of season that we had last year, I would hope that everyone in the Arsenal organisation is looking at it and saying, we need to 
really, really address what went wrong and have a battle plan for how we not only get ourselves back to where we were, but where we were wasn't even good enough. We need to we need to move on about three different levels. So I really would like to think that the people in power had a specific battle plan, battle plan to get us to where we need to go. And yet the way that we're moving in the transfer market up to now and from what we hear just feels like there's about five different ways of doing things that are all being thrown at a board and we're basically chucking shit at a wall and seeing what sticks. So, yeah, I am I am a little bit more positive than that, I've, I've, I've got to say. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm excited about the summer because um, we've got money and for once we have players that can actually be sold and uh, yeah, even the shit players seem like they want to they wanna move on. And um, I just want to reference um, uh, a guy uh, called Adam uh, tweeted me and he was sort of a data visualization guy from Minnesota. And he, I asked him if he would write a guest post yesterday about his data visualizations because they're quite dense. And he banged one out in about an hour and a half and I, I read through it uh, earlier today. And it's an absolutely phenomenal piece about the midfield conundrum at Arsenal. And you know, um, Johnny, I think, We've both been looking out uh, um, some of the responses to Granite Xhaka going. And you're like, it's quite incredible that 90% of the Arsenal fan base has hounded him for years. And now he's leaving. We've all got like this Stockholm syndrome around him. And uh, he, uh, one of these pieces um, I, I thought was quite interesting on Granite Xhaka. Firstly, um, this line, Granite Xhaka, the most frequent partner for Thomas Partey, proved to be statistically middling. Imagine being called statistically middling um, in anything in life. But I thought it was interesting because he basically says for all of the talk about Granite Xhaka having like superpowers, but just being a little bit uh, lacking in the athletic department, it's quite false. He said across the 25 metrics I measured, his average percentile rank was 54th, which is the definition of bang average. Xhaka consistently ranked highly in passing metrics with pass completion, passes into the final third. Um, but his shot and goal-creating actions ranked 28th in the 42nd percentiles, indicating Jacker did most of his passing before the attacking third. And where he really struggled was defensively, which I wasn't completely aware of. He says, while his success rate tackling dribblers was better than 94% of his counterparts, Jacker rarely executes a tackle, ranking in the 31st percentile for sheer quantity. He struggles with pressures. He was woeful in tackles and interceptions. Uh, 20th percentile. Uh, these aren't the traits of a dynamic midfielder. And you're like, wow. So it's like the good bits he's successful at tackling is counterbalanced by the fact he never makes tackles and everywhere else he's banging the middle. So to your point earlier, upgrading should be easier. Like we don't need a granite jacker like for like if the, like those 25 different data points um, are to be believed. So um, I'm quite excited because if you have to upgrade on a totally bang average player across the board, you should be able to do it, right? And if you if every time we add quality, things get slightly better in, in the lineup. Um, and I want to talk about some of the people that we've been linked to straight away because every player that we've been linked to causes an immediate divide in the fan base. And Can, uh, can, I, can I just jump back on that one, Pete, before yeah. um, we jump into the rest of it? So, that well done, Adam, for writing that. that. That's really informative. I love it when people do this. But this, this is why I you know, stated on the last podcast that I think that much like the nature-nurture debate, there are... Um, there are absolutely some real um, conclusions to draw from data, but it doesn't always tell the whole story. I think there's a lot of um, that you can learn from the eye test, basically, and I, I, that's a very broad banner. But ultimately, through just watching players, looking at how they move, how they, you know, there's no data that says how players communicate with each other on the pitch and you know, whatnot, or slipping over. No, we ain't getting no Opta data on how many times someone fell over and you know, didn't do their stuff. So he, he includes uh, fuck-ups in his data. I'm sure, I, I, I mean, like, specific, there are little bits that just don't get picked up on it, you know. And um, I think 
the point with so your initial point about the Jacker Stockholm syndrome, it, I, I think, kind of speaks to the fact not that everyone loves Jacker, and it speaks more to the fact that people are more worried about where we might go after this because they don't trust the powers that be to ask Arsenal to replace him properly. Yeah. Um, rather than crying because Granite Jack is about to leave the building because I think most people know that Granite's not good enough to get us where we need to be, but he's better than, you know, if, if you look at the fact that, what, Alexis Sanchez, you know, maybe a couple of years later is being replaced by Willian, you know, if if that's the kind of level of, degradation of squad players then in a couple of years are we instead of Xhaka are we going to have uh, who are we talking about you know someone who can't even get in a a relegation team now like that kind of thing there's nothing to guarantee that we're going to be on an upward trajectory with our player recruitment the other thing to say about Xhaka in general because certainly the um the tackling stats and stuff doesn't surprise me that's what he's like like you know he might outperform a lot of his teammates in regards to tackling interceptions. Often, um, that's just purely because of where he is positioned on the field. But I don't, I don't, um, I don't kind of feel that it's a complete, um, a, a complete knock against Xhaka when we talk about some of those passing stats, because ultimately, his one, his passing, progressive passing to the final third do still hold water, even from what you're saying. They still, sound decent he's good at doing that whether or not it leads to high level chances and stuff I don't think that is wild news to me because that's always been my issue with Xhaka my issue ultimately comes to the fact that there are managers consecutive managers that choose to build their team around this guy because of his progressive passing which is decent but it doesn't create chances for us it's not like you know, peak Urzel for us, where when he's slipping people through, they're on one-on-ones and stuff. That's not the kind of balls that Xhaka's playing. And I think that ultimately, since Amessa Urzel or Xhaka went, uh, or Sanchez went, I should say, Xhaka's um, uh, kind of impact on the game with that progressive passing is not being felt in the same way because we haven't got such high-level recipients of the passes in that final third, who can quickly turn and make it into something very naughty. You know, Xhaka never had loads of assists, but he did have quite a lot of key passes when uh, Mesa Ozil was knocking around, because he used to just find him all the time. So, for me, I think it's more an indictment on the fact that we consistently, or, or previously, have been consistently trying to build our teams around him, when this is what I think... I felt like everyone knew this is what he did. And... I don't necessarily think we can knock him for what he's doing because that's what he's always been doing. So it is what it is. And I think we should rebuild the team in a different image now. Yeah, I agree. And I think there was uh, there was some other interesting um, numbers that he pulled out about our own midfield. He was like, Mo Nenny is a world-class, um, a world-class maker of completely inoffensive passes, high-pass completion, but not a lot of forward momentum. Lucas Torreira is statistically uh, our worst midfielder. And Joe Willock's good for goals, but pretty pretty awful elsewhere, so we should probably get rid. And then the only other... Um, the, only, the, uh, the, one, uh, the, the one other part that I wanted to say is, he. this guy basically says, Ruben Neves is a big upgrade on Granit Xhaka. Um, he makes... He contributes more to goals. Um, he's a stronger tackler. Um, and his weakness is pass completion but that's because he attempts longer quicker passes so if you're looking for a player you know those quick releases that Arsenal were just absolutely awful at you know, we've got all of this pace in the front line now and we don't use it so I thought that was interesting and then the only other bit um, with players that we've been linked to Locatelli 23 years old um, had a great game um, in the week still looks a bit heavy um, but great at defending better at passing and contributes more to goals so it feels like um Moving on, moving on, Jacker. Do you know why I like it, Johnny? Because he's not a major problem. You know, we normally uh, we pick at the edges. We either lose players that are superstars, and we sell players that are that are so far gone. You know, they're rotting in a in a in a bag of meat in the, in the corner of the fridge. But Granite Jacker feels like a player that we don't normally sell. Just he's doing all right. He's not much of a problem, but we think we can upgrade him. So I'm feeling um. 
feeling pretty excited about that. And uh, we've been linked with all sorts of midfielders this week. Locatelli, obviously, uh, the primo, uh, you know, top of top of the league player. I, you know, I don't know how we're going to go about getting him, but Sambi Lacom- Laconga is um, is being heavily linked and elect player. Um, twelve million pounds we've bid. Apparently, they want. Uh, closer to 20, 20 yeah. and um, there's he's he's playing in the Belgian league, which is difficult to get data from. But I think he's an eye test player, and you're like, okay, so what's he bringing to the table? Good range of passing, great, um, uh, like a, a good physique for the Premier League. Seems to have a bit more pace than someone like Danny Ceballos. Um, if he was the replacement for Danny Ceballos, is this the sort of player that? We haven't been signing that we should be signing, or do you think this is this is what this is the sort of thing that worries you as we rebuild the squad for the future? So, <clears throat> I got to be honest, you know, I, there'll be a lot of people out there that are not really familiar with Lukonga, but um, for me, from what I've seen of him, every time he shoots, it's on target. Every time he tries to play a pass. It goes directly to feet. Every time he dribbles past someone, it's basically I've been watching him on YouTube highlights. It all looks good. You're okay? basically, <laughs> you're basically ninety percent of the experts on Twitter right now. Exactly. Everyone I was mean, honest. Look, we, 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 the thing is, is like you said, I even went, I even went um, after reading about him to actually try and look at some more stats, and I ran into the same issue you did in terms of uh, the Belgian league, not padding out the same level of stats that, you know, uh, being so forthcoming with the stats that the other major leagues are. But, yeah, look, it's the age-old thing, isn't it? Your YouTube highlights, you look like the best player in the world, and he does look like one of the best players in the world in his YouTube highlight reel. But this is why I am very excited by the link. I'm excited by the link because we talked previously about the profile of player and that's not just in terms of his, you know, his literal hard copy CV, like as in how old are you, what leagues have you played for, that thing, which is, is you know, it's ticking all the boxes, 21, very young. Um, he's played game time in, in, you know, in big, for a big, I mean, Anderlecht's not a bit, you know, a massive team, but they're a legit team they, and they are obviously playing in a, in a league that's not like the middle of nowhere that no one's ever heard of. Um, so it's, it's good at 21 to have been playing for a team like that. And Anderlecht are the kind of team as well, where every now and then they will have a superstar that they have playing for them. That someone who started at Anderlecht and ends up being one of the best players in the world. It's not some fringe team that you've never heard of, never produced a good player. The other thing when we talk about profile is, you know, what we talked about before, it's pace, it's power, it's height. These are the things that if you go after that in your centre midfield, I am immediately... It's not to say I'm going to be absolutely sold on it, but I, you, you've, you have me at hello, basically, in terms of I'm not going to um, have a big issue with that if you tick those boxes because I think you're going after the right attributes of what our new midfield needs to look like. So although he's 21, I feel like he's old enough to be vying for a starting berth straight away. Um, it's not like a 19-year-old, and we've got younger players than that in the team. But he's also got the, at 21, the youth um, to have that high energy to be able to play a whole season. And I think that playing alongside a 27-year-old in Thomas Partey, who's got all the experience, will only help him to grow into um, what we think he could be. He looks quick, way quicker than Ruben Neves. There's your issue straight away. The range of passing's there. You can't cheat that, like YouTube highlights or not. If no one, if you don't ever make a long range pass, then you can't, you know, they can't show it because it doesn't exist. He was doing that. He looks very tidy on the ball. He looks like he can step and beat a man as well. So, um, this is exactly the kind of profile of player that I think we should be looking at. And when I spoke last time about, I'm not necessarily sure the player that we might end up getting or should get. That's what the scouts are for. But this is the kind, this is the profile of player we should be getting. And ultimately, They've got it right with this one, I think. So hopefully uh, it goes through. Yeah, it seems like uh, it's, it's, it's when the weird journalists, like the Swedish journalists or the, the guys from, uh, you know, just that the, the have authority that don't normally pop up with transfer stories um, get involved. And he's, he's 21 years old. Uh, he'll be 22 
in October. He's six foot tall and he's, he's played 27 games this season. Um, you know, registered 2,300 minutes, three goals, two assists. That That is, uh, you know, uh, that's the prime profile of player. You need a player that's been important to the first team for an entire season. Yep. Um, and like, I, I do think it's important being closer to 22 than 20 yep. Yep. Um, because that's that's the moment when players can sort of come in. And the other thing is it's like, I want to have midfielders that if we're going to like, he'll come in and he'll play like a donkey for six months, like every young player does. But we've been doing that with Danny Ceballos. Danny Ceballos comes in, then you go through all the heartache. And if he's shit, it means that you've probably had a shit season. And if he's great, he fucks off back to Madrid. And then they he's made his mistakes in your starting 11 and you've had none of the benefit. So signing um, a player like this, it feels like it's obviously been, it's a data-led signing. I can't see any super agents uh, attached to him. Um, and Arsenal fans get excited because it's, you know what it feels like? Old school Wenger signing. We yeah. like, who? Sam, Sambi who? And it's, <laughs> it's, it's a kid and he comes in and two seasons time, everyone's caught saying, you know, this yeah. guy should be our captain. And that's yeah. where I'd like to be with um, those sorts of players. Um, it, it, it's definitely true. It's definitely true. And, and, and uh, you know, you've, you, you hit the nail on the head with a kind of Wenger like signing and, um, Ultimately, when we look at some of the players who would be... When I think about who would provide the most impact in in terms of any player we could get coming into our team... Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, if we're talking Mbappe or Messi or Ronaldo or whatever... And, and granted, you know, one of them... One thing, we're obviously not getting those players. But in terms of where we could be quite good anyway. We do have Aubameyang that if he returns to form, he's still an elite striker. But if we had a Kante-like player in this team, I think it changes the way that we play. Now, obviously, we're not getting Kante, but it would change the way that we set up and we could go about attacking teams because of that cover. Could you imagine a Kante-type player and party together? It just means, you know... We can ahead of that. You're basically going, guys. Don't worry about jogging back, because uh, Johnny, I get the impression that you are leading us. You're leading us to Brighton here. This is <laughs> this is this is a leading statement because you want to talk about the 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 main man uh, Basuma. Is that where you're taking us? No, no. I, I was it felt actually, like it. It, it it may be. It may be in the sense that I, I do think that Bissouma, um we're ultimately trying to address that role. But it's actually more about Lakonga um, signing. Because um, every one of these players, Bissouma and Lakonga, these are guys vying for that role in the team. That's who they're going to be. That's the high energy... To be honest, I was impressed with um, the highlights that I was watching because he was actually quite quick. And you don't, we don't need someone to be obscenely fast, but you need someone who is not going to get run by anymore. We've seen it so much, like, and we've not got little lucky Terrera in there just getting bullied, pushed over. You know, we need a guy with some physical stature in there. And and I think if you put him alongside Party, you could have a real bad boys kind of connection in that middle of uh, uh, in the middle of uh, the field for Arsenal where you start to have two grown ass men who when we rock up in away stadiums we just know we're not getting bullied anymore we're not getting run past and that will be the kind of feeling to get Arsenal fans a little bit excited next year just knowing that you you got a little bit more confidence in our, in our steel next year that's that's what yeah. excites me the most I and I I think the when you talk about individual players in our midfield, it, it, it doesn't. It's not enough to, to to understand where you want to go. I think you have to look at okay, who who are we going to sign? If you signed um, Neves and Lukonga, you've got two two different types of player, and then it's like there are games when you need someone like Neves who can pick out passes and keep the ball moving. And then there are games where you're playing against Liverpool and that lack of pace is going to get rolled. So you go with a Lukonga party duo or, you know, it doesn't have to be Neves, but I feel like Neves and Locatelli uh, are very similar from a, a pace perspective, um, even though they're both better defensively than Jacker. But we are, you know, the, the most important thing this summer 
for me is is the what does that rebuild of the midfield look like and do we have a combination that can cause problems for every team and last season you know is it is is our combination El Nenny and Partey is it Jacker and Partey Partey never got the the winning partner next to him and just to keep on talking about Adam Stats blog he does a piece where he's like for anybody worried about Thomas Partey he is elite in many of his statistics and he will only get better next season and I genuinely think that um, Arsenal fans forget how many amazing players we've had over the years that have been shit for six six to nine months of their career like just think back to Bobby Perez when you were like what are you like Wenger said you'd be like Zidane and you'd look an absolute joke. And it was almost similar sort of vibes with Freddie Lundberg. You're like, this guy can't finish at all. He's, he's, he's atrocious. And then all of a sudden it clicked um, when they adapted to the league. And I'm hoping that we can build a midfield that will bang at some point. And it might not bang for the first three months next year, but if we can avoid having a start like last season, when we get into the back half of next year, five or six players bedding in, then you've got a real chance of making a run at whatever you need to make a run at in the back half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know what? Like, I, I just want to take it slightly, it's still on midfield, but in a different direction in terms of potential solutions that we already have under the roof. Now, we talked about him before towards the end of the season, but it was kind of becoming a bit of a platitude, you know, in terms of, just something that we were piling on the pressure for Arteta for his lack of faith in certain young players. Uh, and this was an example, and that is um, Aziz. Now, yeah. I, I, I like like everyone else, was like, oh, we want to see Aziz, we want to see... But I just hadn't seen enough of him anyway. You know, again, YouTube highlights. And he's another one that always hits the target and always finds feet and always beats his man um, from the YouTube highlights that I've been watching. But... Um, the way I analyse players sometimes, like ultimately, you know, you, you can't you can't look at someone's YouTube highlights and discern any great, you know, takeaway from it because that's their best moments. However, I do think that when you watch football, there are sometimes things that players do where you go, that bit that you've just done there alone means that you're good. It doesn't matter that you're going to be the best player in the world, but that yeah. on its own means that like shit players can't do that. You know, above uh, sort of stuff. Yeah, like it, it just is too good. Like in that one moment, even if there's inconsistent stuff and you've got things to work on, you have class. And there were things that I saw from his highlights, and of course he's playing at a younger level, but it's a cut above stuff, and he has real, real class. And it, it's not like I saw Joe Willock highlights coming through. I saw Reese Nelson highlights, you know, when he was coming through. This this guy's different. He he looks really, really smooth, silky. He looks like the athletic profile. And so for me, if we had, and also when we're talking about what, and I'm not saying we shouldn't necessarily sign a Neves, but I think that Aziz, with his range of passing may grow into a player that would negate the need for anyone else to come in to do that sort of thing because he has the athletic uh, profile, but he also has supreme technical ability, looks very, very good. And I think he's exactly the player that needs to be sitting on the shoulders of the starting central midfielders and getting 20 minutes at the end of games, Um, you know, getting all of those League Cup games. He should be playing all of them, that kind of thing. And that's what I think would... Uh, get a lot of Arsenal fans excited about watching a young player coming through whilst also having solid, um, you know, transfer incomings from the summer that are, are starting in the team and making us look more of a combative uh, unit, like when, we, when we're going away and um, to those tough grounds in the Premier League. I think, do you remember when Jack Wilshire scored that goal in the reserves against West Ham and it was flying around the internet? That was kind of... And Aziz yeah. like moment, you were like this, this, this kid's going to be special when he was. Yeah, I th- then it, it seems like there are a few sort of young player favourites that are coming through the ranks that the club um, are going to invest uh, more time in, um, and maybe those players uh, avoid alone. I think you've got um, you've got Aziz, you've got Kiddo Kiddo Hart is the one that they're quite excited about, and then obviously Flo Balogun just looks mm. electric and uh, yeah, 
I really hope he doesn't go out on loan next season. Like that, um, that ferocity that he's got in his game. Like if there's it, I know that this is such a, this is such an Arsenal thing to do, Arsenal fan thing to do. But if there's anyone that's like Aguero, like in our team, you know, got that explosive <laughs> um, pace over a, a short space. Anyone that seems like he, you know, like Saka came on the scene and he knew he was going to be good. He knew it. And you could see in his body language, Smith Rowe, there's no way he wasn't going to be great. You could just feel it because, and then you've got Reese Nelson who doesn't look like he belongs and he looks like he knows it. And I, I look at Balogun and I'm like, that that kid, the, the fuckery with the contract is because he's like, well, if I'm not going to start for you, I'll go and play somewhere else. And I, I hope yep. I hope that some of these players, I mean, obviously you can't put too many teenagers. There are, t- there are almost too many good teenagers at Arsenal at the moment and they can't all play. And some of them will need to take loans. But if they take loans, take them in the championship or t- take them in the, you know, at, the, uh, at Fulham or uh, they're not in the premiership now. Or, you know, take them in like a Watford side or something. Is the hope, but it's it is exciting that we've got this whole batch of kids coming through, and if we get a good summer where we build out the squad with a young profile, they're going to be coming through with players that when they hit twenty seven and they're hitting peak, then they're like twenty one, twenty two, and they're learning from well coached, exciting players that don't have that fucking the baggage of the last ten years of you know just being also rans or not being about high performance and not really caring about winning. Yeah, and you know you say. Things like, I hope he doesn't go out on loan. He ha- he can't go out on loan. Like, that that would be an unacceptable move. Unless we make serious um, headway in the transfer market in the striking department. But right now, if you look at our striking options, Balogun has to be front of mind with how we're moving forward. Because it doesn't make sense. We've got a guy who's about to be out of contract. Um, and we don't really know if he's anything like a long-term solution. Another guy who's had an, had his worst season of his career and is on loads of money, and another guy who we know is just not good enough in Eddie Nketiah and does need to hit the door. So I'm not accepting, oh, we oh, Balogun, it's not one or two games. It's, this guy better be getting some serious game time. Um, but the thing is, is, even some of the players we feel a little convinced on, not all of these guys are going to be up to it, you know. Like, even when we look at... Like, Saka and Smith-Rowe have been brilliant this year, and they look like sure things. But the reality is, is they are great for where they're at right now, but they are also going to have to make a step up because they're quickly totally. our best players. And, and they're going to have to start... If they're going to take those positions in our attacking line lineup. It can't just be, oh, he runs around a bit and looks good on the ball. It's going to have to be, did you get 10 to 15 goals this year? That's what it's going to quickly be. If it's not this year, by next year it's going to be. And not everyone transfers their good early form in their career into, I am a seasoned quality campaigner in the Premier League that is putting match-affecting performances in most weeks. So... You know, out of that crop, whilst we are excited about Aziz and Balogun as well and Saka, and it, you don't often get four wicked kids that come through at once. So I'm not saying that means that can't happen, but it's likely some of these guys might not work out and it's not even the ones that we're not necessarily thinking about. But at the end of the day, I would rather give someone like an Aziz a go than spend £50 million on Ben White as a substitute defensive midfielder coming in um, from Brighton. And that was certainly something that grabbed my attention this week, Pete. Yeah, and we can talk about that in a second. But news just in, David Ornstein has spoken and uh, he says Arsenal submitted a €15 million bid for Laconga. So that's exciting. that That is progress. That is not nice. that is not context scouting. That is proper scouting. So I'm excited about that. Uh, and as kind of reported on Le Grove the other day, the the Martin the Emi Buendia, um attempt was because it seems unlikely that Martin Erdegaard is coming back. And I guess the exciting thing about that is if if you're not going to get Martin Erdegaard, don't try and sign a lookalike player. Sign what you need. And Emi Buendia feels like Arsenal signing what we need. Energy, bang-bang approach to the game, shots, key passes. Like, 
I, I, I like that some of the attacking midfielders we're looking at feel like Alexis Sanchez, right? Yeah. Um, so, so that's um, that's exciting news. So let's um, let's let's move on to um, to the right centre back position because you know I've said this a few times on the podcast. Arsenal coaching staff believed we play better with David Luiz in the side, um, which is why I thought he was going to get another year, and which is why I'm amazed that he didn't really. Um, so we're going to have to replace uh, right centre-back who's with Premier League experience this summer. And we seem to be sniffing around players that are 22, 23 years old, one to two seasons worth of experience in England. And the latest to be linked is Ben White. Apparently he would be excited about the move. He's recently capped um, for England. My uncle, who is the biggest Leeds fan, home and away back in the day, says Ben White is fucking amazing and he has almost no weaknesses in his game and Arsenal fans will love him because the Leeds fans did. Um, what's uh, what's your thoughts on on Ben White? I mean, ignoring the fee because, like, let's be honest, we're not paying 50 million for him because there's there's about five players Brighton could probably use with it, in exchange for him. But what do you think about the profile of the player? Um. Well, I'm not going to be able to comply with your request here in terms of ignoring the fee. This is why I went I with Mike yesterday. This is why I went <laughs> with Mike yesterday. I, I, I just can't know. I mean, I think that even if we come down to the fact that we just talk more broadly about the premium for English players, and if you are going after an English player, you, know, you, you that premium almost always comes with it. So... If it's not 50 million, it's not going to be a million miles away from that. It's it's going to be, you know, a considerable amount of money. And do I think that with the, all of the needs that this Arsenal squad has, it would be a suitable use of resources to use any, to spend anywhere near 50 million, even if it's 40 million on Ben White? Absolutely not. It's, it's, it just feels again like a just a, a a fuzzy thinking approach to how we're going to recruit. In the sense that, first of all, when we talk about the Luis situation, we've already spent over twenty million on a guy who is a French prodigy at the back, and just because Arteta is weird, he wouldn't give him a go last year. But he's coming back, and he's going to have to give him a go. There's no other way around it. Could you imagine if? He comes in again and Saliba doesn't get another chance because Ben White's taken the place. It's not on. Get your head around it, Arteta. Saliba is going to have to be the solution. And if he isn't, we're all going to get to see that he's not good enough. So when he leaves, there will be no complaints. But you can't usher this guy out the back door and sneak someone else through. In terms of Ben White and his profile, one one year experience with Brighton. That is not enough to justify that kind of fee. Again, I have to go back to fee, but it's right. Because if we were getting Ben White on some sneaky little £10 million deal, I'd have no issues with it. Of course not. But 40, 50, this is just well over the odds when we quite possibly are going to have to address our striking options in the summer. And that is your premium position where you are having to pay big, big money. And so... Um, I don't think that Ben White would be a, a good signing for us at anywhere near that fee. And I don't see it dropping because where, everywhere you read the story, there's a lot of competition for his signature, apparently. Man, you are interested and Chelsea are interested. All of these guys. One, I don't, I'm not sure he'd come to us out of those guys anyway. But two, even if we he somehow supported the club since he was two and wanted to come to us, you know, the fact is, is we're going to have to pay a premium for him. Um when I when I look at the team that we should also be raiding more, I just keep looking over to Leeds United, and I think um, Bielsa has had those players for a couple of years now. Well, a few three seasons, three seasons exactly. They have been properly coached. I'm not knocking Graham Potter here, you know, but. Ben White's only been there one year anyway, but Bielsa is a proper coach. He's got great experience. Leeds have burst onto the scene in a way where they have not um, uh, kind of jettisoned their attacking approach. They've taken the game to everyone this year and beaten some of the biggest teams. And whilst they were a bit porous at the back, 
that towards the end they managed to get a little bit of grit and managed to get some big clean sheets. Their keeper looks like a very exciting uh, prospect as well, Melier, uh, who's had some very good, um, very good games, and he might be a name that we should be thinking about if we can, you know, just 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 pillage that team now. And also in terms of, you know, when I the reason why I bring it up is because. They've got some good defenders at their their club. I'm thinking, I know Stuart Dallas was playing midfield, but I know he can fill in at the back as well, and he he adds versatility. Um, and Cooper as well looked very solid there. And these are names that I don't think I would be any less excited by than Ben White. And I don't think they'd cost fifty million pound. And this is why I look at that situation and think it's. I don't think it's the right thing for us. I think if he was uh, Benjamin Witzelslager and um, we were picking him up from <laughs> from the German league, people were a bit, bit more excited. I think it's because most English people look at Ben White and they're like, you look like the sort of slag I run into in Ibiza and you try and you try and have a go at whoever I'm chatting up at the bar and, and you, you, you walk out and you embarrass me, humiliate me in front of my friends. You look like, it looks like a, a bit of a bully. Um, I, 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 I disagree with you on, um, on, on Ben White and Saliba. Saliba's got fantastic uh, ball-playing skills, but he's playing in a slow league uh, and he's never played a single minute in the Premier League. His defensive numbers are, you know, what you would expect from a 20-year-old. Huge amount of potential, but definitely not coming in to replace um, what we lost with David Luiz next season. And I actually think that nothing speaks... Uh, speaks to the advantage Saliba's got than the similar profile that he has to Ben White. He's uh, three years younger. They're both brilliant on the ball. They can both dribble through the lines, which I think um, is beneficial. And if anything, Ben White and us being linked to him heavily tells you that there's going to be another, oh my God, Arsenal was selling a player that did pretty well last season. For me, Rob Holding's got to be looking over his shoulder at this Ben White signing. Um, Cal Chambers, the only reason Cal Chambers might survive is because of his versatility. But, uh, you know, we're going to have to sell one of the four centre-backs because incredibly, despite having the third best defence in the league last season, there's no standouts. And that shouldn't be looked at as, well, then that means the defence isn't a priority. I think that that's like, should be like, well, the system's good. If you put someone in there, that can do the business has a couple of years experience under high pressure. Like the, make no mistake that I was, I was with my uncle who was a Leeds fan um, in the season when they were gunning for promotion. And he was like, Bielsa knackers the players. And in the back half of the season, we falter and we're really, we're really worried. Like missing out the first time around under Bielsa, like Ben White came into that defense played in a quite an exposed system, th- absolutely thrived and got Leeds promoted. So he's won something, right? They won they won the championship. And like I, I think that the championship is one of the most brutal leagues in the mm. world. Like you watch those playoff finals, absolute brutality. And especially for a player that looks like that, getting kicked up in the air all the time. And then um, a season with uh, Brighton, Graham Potter's a, a really good coach. Uh, he helped keep Brighton in the Premier League and Brighton's numbers and the, the, where they finished in the league is not reflective of how they were as a team. Like I think they have one of the best uh, shots, XG shots against. Like It's very difficult to get a shot off and get chances off um, against Brighton. And I think a, season, uh, a season's worth of Premier League experience when you're English, like you, you come with a premium, yeah. but you've got a capped England player at 23 years old, which is young. Like That's, that's 10 years of defender that you get there. And, and he really does do good stuff on the ball. Like he really is cool and composed and, you know, a little bit like Rio Ferdinand was um, in the early years. So I think that we need a right centre back. I think that it's good news for Saliba. And I think that he will probably stay with us next season. And then suddenly you're starting to build out a core of centre backs that can all play with the ball, that can all move between the lines. And you are much more lethal because there are, there are like, remember David Luiz playing the ball through the lines against Crystal Palace. None of our defenders can play balls like that, but Ben White can. So I think it could be a I think it could be a shrewd move. Well well this is what so the way you, you have sold it is the the way that I would be very happy for it to 
I would very much be happy if it happened. And that would be what I was going to say. If it was a deal that involved Rob Holding going the other way, I'm game. Let's go. But but if it's not going to be that some of our other players, like Callum Chambers or Rob Holding, are going the other way, then for me it just screams that Saliba's going to be the one going under the bus here. And I don't want to see that for a guy that... I don't know if he's going to be, you know, better than what Saliba might bring to the party. We have to see it. But yeah, I am not wedded to the likes of Chambers and Rob Holding. Even some of the other guys, you know, like Gabriel, is it's probably a bit too early for him. And, I, you know, Holding's had a lot longer to establish himself. But Gabriel, towards the end, looked very shaky and so doesn't look like he should be, you know, guaranteed... Um, have guaranteed faith put in him for years and years. And certainly we'd like to see a much better season for him moving forward. But yeah, you know, again, if, if Ben White could come in on an economically viable deal for us, then I would be all over it. I've certainly not got a problem with the player, but it's more what I don't want is to spunk all our money on Ben White, n- not get rid of anyone else. So Saliba is basically packed off on loan again. And then when we start trying to address other areas of the field, like striking options, it's, yeah, we're going to have to go and take, um, you know, Mitrovic on loan <laughs> because, because we, we've run out of money because Ben White's going to be needing to knock 30 in this year to try and justify his, the expenditure. That, that was where my concern comes from. Yeah, and I, I think those, um, I think those concerns are like absolutely valid as an Arsenal fan because we spent most of last summer doing nothing, and then we blew all of our money on a defensive midfielder that was uh, injured all year. But I, Arsenal have got money this season, and if we are in for Ben White, uh, a fee of that level, it means we can afford to do all of the other bits. There's going to be big change at Arsenal this summer. The five, five players, important players, minimum. Because it, there has to be, right? We've got so many holes in the squad. So um, I think replacing David Luiz is essential because he was part of the spine, even though he was a rickety part of the spine. And replacing Granit Xhaka is also important. And I also think, you know, when you, Arsene Wenger used to say, if you bring more than three players into the squad, it's problematic the next season. And, you know, I don't totally agree with that because some of his most successful seasons came after signing more than three players. But what I, but what I would say is that if you take David Luiz and Granit Xhaka out of the side, what, that's three, four, five hundred games worth of Premier League experience that you're losing. So I think that they're, you know, the Ruben Neves move and the Ben White move, although they'll come with a bit of a premium, I think that premium will probably pay dividends because we won't have that three months of which one of these five is going to really fucking struggle because they don't know the language or the food gives them diarrhea, or whatever it is. They have the William sort of, I don't understand what's going on. So I think Ben White would be sharp, but it does have to come at the cost of somebody. We can't go into next season after complaining all year of having 58 uh, centre-backs. We can't go into next season without shifting people. But the good thing with Rob Holding is I think he wants to play, right? It seems like a, a, you know, if you say, Rob, you're not going to play next season, He'll go, all right, well, I'll go to Newcastle or I'll go to Everton or I'll go wherever because he's built a lot of capital this season. And I, I think Cal Chambers, you're 26 years old. If you're not going to start next season, you've got to go. And the only reason he didn't go last summer is because he had that horrendous injury. So mm. I, I, there's, I think there's going to be movement this summer. And I think that most of our players are viable transfer targets. And if, if look, if, uh, if Granit Xhaka can get a £20 million move to Roma under Mourinho, you know that there's hope for almost everybody in the side. Yeah, do you know what? Just to come back on one thing you said there as well, which I think is an important point. When Wenger used to chime on about how we can't sign too many players, otherwise it will jeopardise the mentality of the squad. I actually think there's an element of truth of that. The problem is, is that where we're at right now, that's an attractive option for us. We need to change the mentality yeah. of the squad. So you we want to attack players. it, right? Yeah, yeah. agree. Like we've we've got gangrene that yeah. are set in in the squad. So we need to cut out a critical mass of players, and not just fringe players. Players who have had big influence over our seasons and our abilities to compete at peak key moments. They've bottle jobs basically, and they are 
uh, key proponents of that, and we need to get rid of them and replace them with people who are not as damaged by the history of uh, recent history of Arsenal. Because I think it would change the mentality of the squad. But whilst Wenger, you know, w- was talking like it was a negative thing, because granted he was in a more successful period than we are now, but I still think he was making the wrong call because. We could have done with a bit of a mentality shift. You know, where we're at now actually started under Wenger and has just progressed and progressed. Um, I think it's absolutely clear that we need a real mentality shift. And that does come from replacing several key players to try and reverse the culture um, kind of degradation that's been taking place at Arsenal for a number of years now. Yeah, I think I think the point about mental baggage is is so important because... I don't think Hector Bellerin will be a bad player if he goes elsewhere. But because he's so mired in the bad years of Arsenal, it's difficult for him to ever not associate Arsenal with like failure. And I think if you start cutting that rot out of the side, and actually what we've done in the past is instead of cutting the rot out, we leave it there and then we add more damaged goods to the situation, which exacerbates it. Like adding David Luiz to a failing culture was a disastrous decision. You know, there are a number adding Mustafi to a failing culture was a disastrous decision. So I'm hoping that, you know, signing, signing 21, 20, 22, 23, 24 year olds and saying in three years time, we want to be back at the very top competing for the league. And you wipe out all the people are like, yeah, yeah, but we've heard this before. It's, it's actually shit at Arsenal. Like I, I, I th- you know, you, everybody's worked in a place um, where there's a toxic culture and it's um, it's cancerous and it, it's addictive because it's easier to be negative. So I'm hoping that, uh, that whoever is doing the scouting is also doing a bit of a deep dive on who these people are as characters because it always seemed crazy to me that you would bring David Luiz in because he's great when things are going well. But like we saw at Arsenal, as soon as things don't go the right way, like when he didn't think he was getting the contract before the City game, comes on, loses his head. And that we don't need that. We need to s- scrub the decks this summer. Yeah, definitely. And just to go even further on that point, it doesn't even matter the players that you sign, the untainted players, the non-tainted goods, if you remain and leave those damaged goods and pillars of the toxic culture at Arsenal in place, it will only be a little while before the other new players who are currently not tainted get tainted as well. We've seen it. How many players have come in and been good for their first six months because they're playing, they're still going through their last, you know, club's training procedures in their head. And then once they learn the Arsenal way, they just turn to absolute shit because where are your reference points? Who are your leaders? We've had bad leaders for a very long time and they've been allowed to fester at the club. And it's like, you know, it's like having a gangrenous wound and instead of treating it, just trying to, Pad more flesh onto you, going that'll sort it out. No, that'll go. That'll go gangrenous as well. The whole point is it's rotting. You got to get rid of it before you can start to, you know. And that's some real visceral kind of, you know. Imagery yeah, now I'm thinking about rotting legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think like airplane, like yeah. So you, that kind of thing. But um, I hope no one was eating like a bacon sandwich or something or a steak right as they listen to them who's who's listening to the Arsenal opinion eating steak I want to know if you if you are if you are message us let us know who who is cutting into some fine sirloin going yeah I agree with that point I I would want to know but there we go people always used to say uh, they used to email me they say hey Pete every time I go to the toilet in the morning I'm sitting on the toilet reading your blog just so you know I was like oh that's, (laughs) that's a lovely trend um, so uh, bef- before we go, because I think we've I think we've covered most of the ground on transfers um, that haven't happened yet. So hopefully, when we do transfer roundup week three, we've actually got something to to bite into. Um, what have you thought about the the opening to the Euro so far? Um, so obviously, we won't be focused on it, but we'd be remiss if we didn't. Uh, mention those awful scenes with Christian Eriksen and uh, again it, it goes without saying I don't think there'll be anyone who disagrees but obviously club rivalries and stuff go out the window when you see something horrible like that and it just reduces down to a very you know humanist kind of reaction you know a, a very innate kind of horrible mortal fear when you see someone 
recoil like that and and it looked like he died i was you know just in shock and so glad to hear that he's um he uh, has made a well a, a recovery as far as we know yeah. um in terms of the football you know obviously england got uh, a decent result and i think that um you know as as much as i obviously want england to kind of do well i just want england to play well like i'm so sick of boring england games like cuz all your mates always go oh who wants to watch the england game so you've always got a mate who gets so into it you know cross the St. George on their face and they're like crying when it, when we get a corner and stuff, you know, yeah, we're going to do it, all of this nonsense. But I just want to see a, a half entertaining game, not having to, you know, try and sit for a game hoping we score a headed goal in the 88th minute. And I thought that we looked like we had more of an attacking threat than we've had for quite some time at major tournaments. Um, and I think that... You know, Southgate's been not with some of his managerial decisions, and I understand why. But we do look to have a bit of coherency, and there's a, a just a, just such a wide array of attacking options at the moment, all in that kind of attacking midfielder role. I think a lot of people knock the fact that Sterling was starting, but ultimately he did score. Even if I do think he, everyone was like he's had a great game. No, he had a bit of a shocker, to be honest, but he got away with it because he scored a goal. So there you go. But I would like to see Jack Grealish getting a bit more game time and. Um, because I do think he's a real talent. And dare we say it, Bukaya Saka, ready to turn up in this tournament and just smash it up, because he has the ability to be a real turnout player as well in this tournament. Um, But apart from that, yeah, the only other thing, real standout goal for me, was that Czech Republic goal against Scotland to absolutely break their hearts from the halfway line. Oh my um, God, what a strike. What a strike from Schick. It's interesting with... um, the Jack Grealish stuff because, like, why wouldn't you play uh, Sterling? He just won the Premier League and he got to the Champions League final as an important player. You know, Mason Mount is a Champions League winner, and then but Jack Grealish is uh, a very archetypal English player, and we're drawn to him because he's so fun to watch. You know, he draws the, the fouls. He's got the flair. He's a bit cheeky. <laughs> Um, I really hope that he gets a move to a, a you know a, a bigger club this summer because he's uh, imagine him in a Manchester City shirt it would be a, it would be a joy. It's an Arsenal shirt. We're, that's what, we've got to be dreaming that. Like Jack Grealish at Arsenal. Let's go. You know, I'd, he might be have designs a bit bigger than Arsenal. I get that, but at the end of the day, you know, if he is sick of playing at Villa Park, it probably is by now. I mean, come on. Um, and just turn up at the Emirates all the time. Didn't someone say he said it, it was his favourite ground to play at as well, the Emirates? It I is. It, and yeah. he he's always up in the Arsenal players' Instagrams. Yeah. Uh, when he was at the when he was at the training and they were gathered around listening to Gareth Southgate, he's got his arm around Saka. Yeah. He's yeah, yeah. he's flirting. He's flirting. He would I, fit in. He would fit in. He, oh he'd, my he'd God. come and he'd be like because you'd basically say the way it is, you, you, you're pretty much going to come in and be our kind of like superstar player. And for us, even the people who might hate Jack Grealish at the moment, and I know there will be some, he'd end up like that Jack Wilshire character who, I know Jack came through our academy, but then again, Grealish is at least showed loyalty to Villa, but everyone else hates him, but you get to love him. And that's why it's so good. Like, because Jack Wilshire was, my, some of my mates who don't support Arsenal were like, oh, Fucking hate Jack Wilshere, and, and that made me love him even more. And Grealish would give us that ability again, I think. Yeah, he would. He he would be an incredible signing. He would he would be up there with like the Burkamp sort of signing. Like he would be a he would be a page turner, and he'd give us the goals and assists that you know that we lack that we're gonna have to try yep. and find from other places. All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining the podcast, um, Johnny. Do you want to tell people where they can uh, find you elsewhere? Um, as always on my socials, you can get me at I Johnny Cochran. Um, it'll probably be in the links anyway. Do follow me because that'll make me feel good. Um, I'm on YouTube at the U2B channel. But whilst we can't give you a guaranteed date yet, Pete, we may even have some news about the Arsenal Opinion podcast and potential for directions we might be taking it in. Hey, eh? in terms we of- do, we've got yeah. exciting plans for next season. Yeah, exactly. So you may um, 
not just be listening to our dulcet tones, you might get to see our faces, which I'm so pleased we're not doing it right now because I am in my room and it is about 25 degrees outside and it's about 40 million degrees in here. I'm sweating. Um, so I'm pleased that people don't get to watch that right now. But um, in in the future, when it's cold and wintry again in, in the UK, you might get to see us. We're going um, mul- We're going multi-platform. Multi-platform. Come on, yeah. guys. Yeah, like, yeah. A few people. That person eating their steak just went, oh, I'm spitting oh. out because this is some big news. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Going to have us on the big screen. <laughs> uh, yeah, nice. so yeah, jo- jo- Johnny and I are, are plotting next season, um, how we how we bring uh, how we bring things to the next level. But it's going to be exciting, so uh, stay tuned. And on that note, um, I'll say goodbye. Thank you, Johnny, for um, uh, like dropping your knowledge today it was uh, a lot of fun as always um if you are on the itunes you give us a five star rating please and leave uh, a verbal comment because they make me happy when i read through them apart from the bad ones um don't bother yeah if you're gonna leave a bad one <laughs> don't bother if you listen all the way to the end of this podcast and your first thought is i'm gonna spend an hour listening to this podcast i'm gonna i'm gonna call pedro and johnny a bad word in the comments i I don't want it i don't want it go back and change it um and we will be back probably uh next monday with uh with another roundup podcast uh, and share this with your friends and we'll see you soon ciao for now Streaming the biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56, the 2022 Winter Olympics, and the Peacock Original Bel Air. Plus, the new movie, Marry Me, in theaters and streaming Valentine's Day. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.